Welcome to the Sports Marketing Huddle. I'm your host, Rob Cressy. And joining me today is Deirdre Lester, Chief Revenue Officer at Barstool Sports. Deirdre, super excited to have you on the show. Great to be here, Rob. Thanks so much for having me. Can you give a quick overview on who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm Deirdre Lester. I am the CRO at Barstool Sports. Um, what does that mean? I, I oversee all of our um, marketing partnerships, brand licensing relationships, all the advertising uh, and, and media that you see across all of our various uh, franchises. So two things that we're going to talk about today, the Barstool Fund and revenue generation in sports media and marketing. But let's start with the Barstool Fund because this is something that when we originally booked this pre-Christmas was not on the radar. It did not exist. And then all of a sudden, this tidal wave of giving and inspiration and awesomeness has happened in the form of the Barstool Fund. And it's something that as an entrepreneur, it has certainly inspired me. And I'm curious to get your perspective on it being at Barstool Sports because it is having such a positive impact in the world right now. Yeah, and thank you for, for wanting to highlight it because I think any way in which we can get more people who maybe are not aware of it or aren't Barstool followers, you know, aware, you know, we, we want to spread the word. So I appreciate you kind of focusing on, in on it. it. You're right. It's only been about three weeks since it launched, just a little bit before um, we broke for holidays. Um, Dave Portnoy, our founder, for those of you who don't know, um, is a huge huge internet celebrity, huge personality. Um, and he's been very vocal throughout the pandemic about his frustrations around the shutdowns um, and, and what's happening to the restaurants in particular. You know, Dave's a very well-known personality for his pizza reviews. So he's got very close relationships with a lot of, you know, small business owners, pizza and Italian restaurant owners. And then, you know, he's obviously, uh, you know, got a lot of uh, relationships beyond that as well. But I think, you know, this last lockdown of shutting down indoor dining in New York, you know, Dave lives in New York and he, he goes to restaurants and bars and things like that. And he was like, how are they going to make it now through the winter? Um, and no one's helping them, right? So if they need to be closed down because that's what needs to happen right now, like what kind of help are they getting from federal or, or uh, state government? And it's pretty much nothing. Um, and so he launched the, the Barcelona Fund. It was born out of a, a dynamic between him and another uh, celebrity talking about, well, put your money where your mouth is. Dave decided he would start a fund. He personally put in half a million dollars into the fund of his own uh, investment. And then he started challenging other personalities, athletes, you know, friends of Barstool, partners of ours to also uh, chip in. And I'd say, I uh, don't think, you know, Dave would never underestimate our audience and their willingness to give because when, when we've asked stoolies to step up in the past for any kind of cause, they always have. Um, but I don't know that if you asked him three weeks ago, would you be uh, inching up to almost $20 million this quickly? I don't think he would have foreseen that. Um, we've had some very big donors step in and, and donate some, some really significant investments there. And then we've had a ton of, you know, just individuals, uh, fans of ours, uh, people who are hearing about it on the news, just putting in, you know, any donation, like uh, $10 to $100 to $100,000 to a $1 million, you know, we're seeing donations of all different sizes. 
what we're doing and what Dave activated on really quickly was we opened it up to any small business owner in the country to submit their story um, to, you know, an alias at Barstool Sports, send us your story, send a video ideally of, you know, your business and what you're doing to try to keep it alive. Um, we're looking for businesses that prior to the pandemic were very proven and successful. So probably were in business for a, a long time and, and running a successful small business um, and are also working hard, getting creative and trying to keep their employees on the payroll, which is one of the, the most inspiring things when you watch these videos that are coming in is people have stopped taking paychecks for themselves in order to keep people on the payroll because they've had these employees for some of them decades, some of them many years, um, and they don't wanna put them out of work, I think specifically around the holidays, but just in general. Um, so we've been getting submissions from tens of thousands of small businesses. Um, we select the ones we're going to support and then we don't give them a one-time grant. Dave is giving them basically tell us what you need to get through until this is over and we'll be there with you until you can go back to doing business normally. The reactions from the people when Dave calls them. And so for folks who don't know, Dave is basically um, calling them on FaceTime. So when they answer the call, his face is popping up and they know one, they're first of all, they're talking to Dave Fortnoy, which is a big deal for them. And then two, they know what, that they submitted to the Barcelona Fund and if they're getting this call, they're probably getting the help. Uh, and the reactions, the visceral reactions from them are so emotional, so raw, so appreciative, um, so much gratitude. Um, that, you know, that is inspiring more people to donate. So, you know, if they're crying, that's the best solution. That's the best uh, outcome because that just causes more people to feel like, wow, it's giving, it's giving people, small business owners, a voice that they felt, they all feel like they don't have, you know, no one's helping them as individual businesses. They don't have a collective way to speak up about the fact that this whole pandemic and these lockdowns are putting their livelihoods out of business and they have no alternatives. Um, so that's the gist of it all. Um, again, we're, we're, I think almost at 20 million today. Um, we're saving a lot of businesses and, and hopefully again, inspiring a lot of people to, to help out in other ways as well. Um, and it's been, I'd say when I came to Barstool, I knew I'd be laughing a lot uh, because we make so many people laugh every day. That's what we do. I never knew that I'd be like crying on a daily basis because the videos are so emotional that it just like, if, if you're not crying then you're not a human being, like it's, it's really remarkable what we're able to do. It was a really great way to end the year launching it. It's a great way to start this year. Um, we're not a company that's ever operated a charity of this large. So it has consumed a lot of people here from everyone from you know, obviously Dave, but then also, you know, you think behind the scenes, our tech team had to build the registration forms overnight. Our finance team has to, you know, vet these businesses and then get them the money within 24 to 72 hours from Dave making that call. Um, so everyone's scrambling. It's an all hands on deck effort. Um, and it's just been a really inspiring thing to be a part of in a small way. And right now it looks like over 154,000 supporters have contributed to the Barstool Fund, which is fantastic because as someone who's a leader of Team Good Vibes, I love to see that people are willing to give at any level um, because that's what inspires me. And you can go to thebarstoolfund.com if you want to support this. And life is 
interesting sometimes. There's a synchronicity that can occur. And today I received an email from a former client of mine who runs a bocce company that puts on bocce leagues around Chicago. And their entire business is based around the hospitality industry. And similar to Barstool, what they've done such a good job of is they've built a community. People love it there. The companies that they work with at the bars and the restaurants, they love having them there. But they've been affected by this as well. And in my inbox is, hey, we saw the thing about the Barstool Fund. We created a video. We're trying to see how we can apply apply for all of this. And for me, I was like, holy smokes, I'm speaking to Deirdre later on today. And I don't know what I can do, but in my heart right now, I'm thinking of Alex from American Bocce. And I know there's a lot of other companies out there. And I listened to Erica's uh, Token CEO podcast, each of the last two episodes. And the one from Monday, if you really want to get a deep dive into what's going on in the Barstool Fund, listen to that because uh, Erica talks with Liz about the challenges of all of this because there's thousands upon thousands of businesses like my friend Alex who um, are good causes, who want to help people and save stuff. And I was thinking, what can I do to help them or what can other people do? Like, is there a supporter of someone who is trying to be part of the fund or I'm just sort of speaking out loud here of something that literally just landed in my inbox four hours ago. Yeah, no, I mean, well, first of all, yeah, that's remarkable. Um, American bocce. That sounds fun. I want to check that out. And I can imagine it's been a challenging time for that kind of a business. Um, so hopefully they've applied and um, you know, I'll, I'll mention that to Liz. That's probably a, one good way to get some attention. Um, Liz, for anyone who doesn't know, Liz Gonzalez is a Barstool host uh, and personality here. But she has been spending the last three weeks kind of being the main person going through all of these submissions and trying to identify the right businesses um, that we want to help support. Um, and again, like I said, there's so many, there's tens of thousands, we can't support them all. So uh, that's been one of the hardest parts. And when she, I also listened to token CEO, Erica Nardini, our CEO, uh, that's her podcast. And she's always giving kind of a inside look of what's going on at Barstool on the business side and, and beyond that even. And, you know, she did talk about it's, it's hard. You almost feel a little cold when you are passing by one of these submissions, you know, because again, we can't help everyone, but we're doing our best. And if we could, we would, and we will, if we can. Uh, so uh, we do have some uh, donations from, you know, particular businesses or individuals that are going towards specific small businesses to help them. So that's something we could talk about. But um, yeah, it is. You're right. It's it's a it's a challenging uh, it's a cha it's a it's a challenging dilemma to have, obviously. And and I think we have been blown away by the number of submissions, um, but the, the reality of them all um, because they're just these people have been given no help, hope, hope for future help or anything. You don't even hear uh, in all the talk, uh, you don't hear anyone talking about it. You don't hear the government talking about what are they doing for small business. I, I live here in Manhattan and I was, I took a, an Uber to Grand Central Station last night. I'm like, you know, what's really fascinating is all the big box stores are open, all the department stores, the, you know, not to call anyone out, it's everybody, it's the Zara's of the world, the, you know, where you go Christmas shopping, essentially, I guess, but like, all the restaurants and bars are closed. And I'm like, it's fascinating to me that you can pack people into these big department stores to buy clothes and other things, but you can't, 
you know, at least keep restaurants somewhat open through this time so they can at least survive. None of them are trying. I have a, a friend who owns multiple restaurants up in uh, uh, New Haven, Connecticut. And he told me, this is not a time where you think about making money. This is a time where you're thinking about losing as little as possible just to make it through and trying to keep your employees because they're good. They've been good, good to you and you want to be good to them during this time. So it really, really has been an emotional thing to, to be so close to. Very much so. So once again, go to the barstoolfund.com. Any amount of a donation uh, is much appreciated. And I think this is a good segue to the next thing that we're going to talk about is around revenue generation. And I actually think that what Barstool is doing right now with the Barstool Fund is so unique that it can become a point of differentiation because what do people want now in a brand they're going to support? Impact is certainly one of them. Heart is another one of them. Community is another one of them. Because as I look from the outside at what's going on in the sports publishing and media landscape right now, I'm like, why are there not more companies and publishers, agencies that are jumping on board with this or starting their own? Because this can be a great example of bringing people together and so often, and certainly with Barstool, there's a divisiveness that is seen from the outside in. But for me, I see this as the biggest opportunity in the world to say, wait a second, we are all here together right now. We are a community of support and love. And this is something that even though the intent for Barstool is not to use this in a revenue generating way, this is going to build positive brand equity and awareness because Erica mentioned the stats on her end of how much uh, media exposure and impressions you guys have gotten from this. And of course, that's just a tertiary benefit. But guess what? On the revenue generating side of things, you now get to market and sell knowing that this is part of your heartbeat. Yeah, it definitely is. A, it, it will be a great story for us You know, when we're in the seat of you know actually trying to go out and sell advertising bring on sponsors generate revenue in any other sort of way um it's certainly not the intention and in why we're doing the barcel fund but i think that in general like this generation whether it's on the corporate side or whether it's individuals like people want to be around and associate with brands that give back um that's been proven uh, specifically the millennial generation really care about that, that the companies that they follow, that they give their money to, uh, that they are doing uh, something for, you know, to give back something for the community. Um, I was talking to an advertiser yesterday whose business has, um, they're in the food delivery business. So their business has been booming through the pandemic. Um, and what they did was they carved out about $10 million in bonus uh, money that was previously not earmarked for what they consider their frontline employees. So to hear a pizza delivery company talk about their delivery people as frontline employees was really interesting to me. They're like, these people work tirelessly to feed families, uh, to get the food out to people that were afraid, couldn't leave their house or were afraid to leave their house and were driving their business up. I think, you know, in, in double digit percentages over the, the course of the pandemic. And, and they found a way to give that back, some of that back to uh, those, those delivery frontline workers. So I, I think companies like that, um, they don't necessarily, you know, put out a press release and promote that in their TV commercials. And we won't do that either. Um, but you're right. Like the, the media exposure is great. Um, you know, we were on the today show yesterday, Dave was featured on there. 
Um, and, you know, as they were kind of wrapping up the segment, um, promoting the Barcel Fund, they kind of were saying like, oh, what an unlikely source of so much giving. I, I actually think that that's just because they don't know us. We actually very much do a lot of um, more grassroots philanthropic work, but it's not something that we like pound our chest about and put out PR about. It's just something we do when it's the right time to do it. This is just so big. And we know that like Dave knows that if other big media companies promote this, it goes beyond the people who are already aware of Barstool. Um, it'll create a halo for our brand and the brands that associate with us. So that's great. And so many of our advertising partners that are very, you know, tied into the brand have come to us and said, you know, we want to help. We want to donate. Uh, we don't need you to make a big fuss over it. We don't, we're not doing it for PR reasons, but you know, we love what you're doing and, and how can we be involved? And isn't that the way that business should be and is moving forward because it'll be less transactional and more relationship. And that's both on the seller side with landing the advertisers or partners and also on the community side, because you mentioned grassroots. And for me, that is the number one thing that separates Barstool from every other sports media company out there is the grassroots nature side of things. And it very much helps with word of mouth. And one way that I've always analogized this is I've never understood why very few other media companies give someone the ability to wear their t-shirt. Like I should have been wearing a sports center t-shirt for 25 years for as much as sports, as much sports center as I watched, but the, they missed that part of the brand. And I look at what Barstool has done and you give your audience an opportunity to be part of the brand and not just consume the brand. So if we add on top of the impact marketing and the relationship side of things, to me, this just seems like marketing 101 and it blows my mind that the overwhelming majority of the industries out there don't seem to get it. Yeah, Rob, I wanna, I, I've been at Barstool three years now, which in the grand scheme of things, I mean, Dave started Barstool a long time before I was here. Um, one of the things that attracted me was that people were wearing this brand. I saw that as like, wow. And when I sat down with Erica to talk about the business and the health of the business and what was driving the revenue at this company, you know, it was great. They already had a pretty strong advertising business and podcasts, um, which was very much emerging, obviously. Um, but the, the e-commerce business blew my mind. I would never have imagined it was as large as it was. Um, and it's only grown exponentially since that time. Um, but the fact that people want to wear this brand as a badge of honor, as a member of, you know, being part of the Barstool community, uh, that really struck me. And then even not just the Barstool brand with the stool and stars, but even down to the franchise level where, you know, we launch a female podcast less than two years ago, call her daddy. It's the number one female podcast in the world. And it's our, it's our largest, uh, line of merchandise that we're selling today. Um, that's amazing. And the other thing that people do when they receive their merch that they ordered, their package, they open it up, they either put it on and take a selfie or they take a, a picture of the, the whatever they bought and put it up on the internet and tag us so that they can show like, hey, look, I got my Barstool hoodie. I got my hat. I got my t-shirt they want to show off and be part of the community. And then our, our talent all like retweet and engage with those, those social media posts. And it really makes us closer to our fans. And I think that's the other thing that separates us from those other media companies you mentioned, like we're fan first. We really are fan first. Um, 
and uh, we're very much, you know, authentic in our tone. We talk to our audience the way they talk amongst themselves. Uh, you know, we're not, you know, suits and ties behind a desk, kind of like acting more important than the people on the other side of the television, podcast, whatever, how they're consuming us. Um, and I think that has made us very relatable and made people feel like they have a one-to-one -one relationship with our talent in a way that is just unmatched really anywhere. I think maybe in the influencer marketing space, you see a lot of that as well, but um, we engage the fans. We let them be part of the content we're creating. Um, and that goes, that goes down to the, the marketing partnerships too, right? Like we, whenever we're doing something with an advertiser, there's always, this is not just this like, okay, put your logo here on this show that we're creating. It's how do we integrate you guys in a really authentic way so that the fans engage with your brand? Um, you know, I'm sitting in front of a, an old school barstool sign that says Viva La Stool, which is, you know, our biggest probably tagline. Tag we have many. Um, but there, one of my favorite campaigns when I was coming here was the, there was a Dunkin' Donuts campaign running. Um, and Dave had come up with just like hashtag Viva La Duncan. And it was a campaign that ran probably a year before I came here, maybe even longer. Um, and people were still putting that hashtag out there uh, into the world and into the universe because it just resonated with our audience so much that it lived well beyond the, the campaign that Dunkin' Donuts had done with us. And we, that, we've repeated that in a lot of ways. Uh, we get so much UGC from our fans. It's, I've never seen anything like it at any other media company. And I've been at Major League Baseball, ESPN, um, and several other you know, sports media outlets. Yeah. And you mentioned the word resonated. And as we talk about revenue, you know what doesn't usually res resonate? Banner ads and display ads. And the way that traditionally the um, sports publishing or media publishing industry has been evolved and built around um, yeah. because quite frankly, it's going to work so much better doing it the way that you guys are doing it instead of just slapping on some paint and being like, here we go. So now let's look forward on things. And I'm curious from your perspective, from a revenue generation side, um, obviously uh, there are unique challenges to the current landscape that we live in, but as revenue generators and builders and creators, that does not mean that we stop because that means we have to innovate and create new opportunities. So I'm curious from your perspective, what's on your mind from a revenue generation standpoint for new ways to generate revenue? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, first of all, like, I don't want to look back when you talk about looking forward, but this past year has been a year of major disruption in media and advertising. Um, everything from everyone's creative needed to change overnight uh, to every you know media spot and dot that they had booked had to be reevaluated and probably removed or replaced or somehow reallocated. So my team, you know, really pivoted multiple times throughout the year to what was working when there was no sports. You know, fortunately for us at Barstool Sports, we're not just sports. We're not just reliant on live sports rights. So our creators and our talent just came up with other content ideas. Some of them that were very like short lived, you know, kind of stunt moments around the pandemic and others that have lived on and will become big franchise brands for us. I think of Davey Day Trader as one of those, like Dave started day trading because he couldn't bet on live sports. And now he's become a fixture in the stock market in a way that was never anticipated or expected. And I think that is a brand that will live on with him. Um, so, so we're just constantly evolving uh, um, and looking for new content, new talent to bring on, to expand and diversify 
you know, who we have here under the Barcel umbrella. So one way we're looking to create more revenue is just by creating more content by bringing on more personalities. Another thing that I think is really interesting and you'll, you'll be interested in this. And I asked you before you, you hit record and we started talking is, are you videotaping this or are you just recording it? I wanted to know, obviously, if the camera would be on. Um, we're seeing something happening with podcasting, at least in our universe. We have over 40 podcasts and we will be launching more this year. Some of them are proactively putting their full episodes and then also some cut up segments onto YouTube channels. Others, maybe just doing the segments, not the full episodes. We have a very inconsistent approach to the video versions of our podcast. We're going to fix that and figure out what works to grow our audience fastest and, and reach new audience. And then also how do we then monetize that incremental audience for our brand partners, for our advertisers? What does the ad format look like? We currently do 100% live red host red ad reads. You won't see a lot of dynamically inserted, just kind of like commercial ads inside of our shows. We might tag them on the front end, pre-roll or post-roll, but in the content itself, it's very organic. How do we translate that to video so that we can get even exponential value out of the video version of that podcast? There's just, you now have what is great conversation, great audio entertainment turning into a video show where we can flash your brand image, your logo, we can do product placement that people can see. Um, we've always been doing video. We've always filmed our podcast so we could put out social highlights to tease the full episode, but now you're seeing the episodes going up on YouTube. Um, and then the, I'll pause in a second, but the other thing I would say is like, we, we, we want to control our own destiny and in a world where you don't control your own distribution, you see Barstool always pushing the envelope and going to new platforms so that as the other social platforms mature and start to impose rules and filters and suppress certain types of content, we've seen that with our content. Um, and they make decisions that overnight could really impact your ability to reach your audience and monetize it, um, you need to be always pushing the envelope. So we are the fastest growing publisher on TikTok. Um, we have brought on several TikTok influencers um, into our you know, Barstool universe, and they're now not only creating TikTok content, but they're launching podcasts, they're doing video shows, they're you know, joining certain podcasts that already have big audience to promote their, pod their newer podcasts. So, we're, we're just always going to be on that emerging line of like what's new and what's next. And right now, TikTok is one of the platforms where we're really pushing the envelope. I love everything that you just said, because for the longest time on this show, we have practiced what we preach in terms of creating content. You create a podcast, so you have video and audio, and then you can chop it up into micro content. You can make those into poll images, and you can really turn one live stream, because you could also just live stream this into 10 pieces of content, so it becomes a pyramid, and that's how you go from thought leader to growth to generating impact. And the last thing I want to ask you on, you mentioned disruption. One thing that I've always thought has a ton of potential for Barstool and really what made me think about this is Erica's podcast with Token CEO because there's just so much educational value and practical value that you listen to that and you can apply it to what's going on there. And certainly with what's going on with the Barstool Fund, where we're seeing how much impact Barstool can have in ways that we've never thought before. But I believe that education is an area that is ripe for disruption. So as I think about the community that Barstool has built, 
in the way that you have the ability to positively impact others. Have you guys ever thought about creating a Barstool University that takes the fundamentals of anything from what Prez and Erica and you or PFT and Big Head and everyone there knows about what it takes to be successful, whether you want to be a blogger or you want to be a CRO or you want to start your own company and really use that to say, wait a second, you can live in this barstool world and we can actually help you make money and get to the next level in a way that isn't just free content because people oftentimes only value um, what they pay for. So while I understand the free model, I'm curious if you guys have ever thought about a Barstool University approach. You know, that's a really, really interesting idea. Um, I don't know that we've thought about it from a paid, you know, pay us for our knowledge and services. Um, that's kind of an interesting thought, I'd say. Um, one, there's two ways in which I think we kind of do a deliver on what you're talking about. One, all these new influencers that we bring in, all these new talent that we identify, we, we find them because they're doing something right somewhere, right? Maybe they're amassing pretty significant TikTok audience. Uh, maybe they, they made a video that went viral and Dave saw it and was like, I wanna meet this kid or this girl or whomever it is um, and bring them in and give them a shot. And you know, Dave talks about it every year at our company meeting, but he's like, this place is a shortcut, but you have to make it yourself. You have to, you know, come up with the idea. We'll never say no, just start doing it. But if you're going to sit around and wait for a producer to tell you like, Hey, this is the show we're going to create for you. And this is what we want you to say and where, and this is the time you need to show up. Like that's not barstool. That's not how you make it here. You make it by showing up and making it yourself. And frankly, I see a lot of the newer talent come in and, and the, the, they, they latch on to other talent. And like I said, they join their shows so that then they can learn the process and then create their own. So I think there is inherently in here, basically from a content side of things, there's a, an education process that's always going on. Um, but people have to have that self-starting approach to it, which generally they do, right? Because they're already being identified as content creators um, and talent. So they've obviously already kind of scratched that surface when they get here. On the um, business side of it right now, like you mentioned several times, token CEO. I think that if you want to learn about the media industry, uh, the sports marketing industry, uh, you know, what it's what it takes to be, you know, a senior executive at a fast moving white hot media company like Barstool. Um, you know, you can try to go to like one of the sports management programs at any of the great universities around the New York area in this country and try and to get a sports management degree, or you can listen to token CEO. Honestly, like Erica's giving free MBA advice on that, that podcast. I love listening to it. Um, but I know she has so many young listeners that, um, call in, but also just, you know, are consuming that content and getting so much value out of it. Um, could we expand upon that? Sure. That's a great, like I said, that's a great idea. Um, I give that, I do that a lot for free. Like I mentioned, whether it's Columbia sports management, um, the Rowan uh, university sports management program, we get asked to come on and speak to the students all the time about my, my career in the sports industry and how I got my foot in the door and how I, you know, what I recommend people do. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting thought. I don't know if I'd want to charge people for that, that advice. I'd rather just give it, give it back uh, to people. Um, but um, yeah, that's, that's. 
Well, cool, Deirdre. I really enjoyed jamming with you. I want to thank you and everyone at Barstool for the inspiration that you give me as an entrepreneur who started out in the sports world and I've continued to blossom. I love seeing others blaze a path in a way uh, that very few others, if anyone else does. Where can everybody connect with you? Uh, I'm on Instagram, Atkinon Lester, and also on Twitter, uh, same handle. And as always, I would love to hear from you about this episode. As you look at 2021, what stands out to you about the brands that set your soul on fire the most? What is unique about them? And let me know, what are those brands? You can hit me up on all social media platforms at Rob Cressy. Head to BaconSports.com or RobCressy.com.